Good. Are you in Jinx? Uh, yes, I am. I was about to Jinx, but yeah, come think that I am in Jinx, uh, and I will be for a long, long time. It looks like. Awesome. Are we starting or? Yeah, we are starting. Uh, I'd like to, to uh, let you know that the audio issues from last week are a thing of the far past. We are uh, on a much better internet connection tonight so that we're not all just cutting out every time the silence got detected my software went oh time to cut so a (laughs) 60 minute conversation lasted about 30 minutes last week that uh that's why they're rough drafts (laughs) that's why they're rough drafts speaking of let's talk about test show 261 was a Short episode. It was. Um, I uh, I swear I will take notes next time. Um, I will say it it seemed kind of a reversion back to the old uh, Andy trying to tap dance his way through, and and Josh not enjoying the tap dancing. Yeah, it he seemed, seemed he seemed distracted, uh, a little tired. Uh, yeah. I, I, I kind of got a feeling that he was on deadline because at one point he said, I don't have time to edit this week. Yeah. Yeah. And so normally our two hours of, of hilarity turned into about 90 minutes. Oh, well. But it was a solid 90 minutes. It was. Um, I'm, I'm, I didn't take notes, but I, I think the biggest laugh for me, if I can remember, is... Uh, Andy talking about eating that P.F. Chang's on <laughs> yes, his, on his holiday his in San Diego. <laughs> well, okay. Well, there was that. And then he, he became enamored with a lobster roll. Which yeah. I can't, I can't imagine uh, if, if, if we in Oklahoma City got a lobster roll, we'd be 1,500 miles more authentic than Andy getting one in San Diego. Yeah. And I guess he got a hot lobster roll, which was, was a novelty for him. Was it spicy? Well, it, he said it was buttery and not mayonnaise. So that's usually how they serve a, a hot, you know, a warm lobster roll. I, uh, I did fall in love with, with lobster rolls when I went up to Providence a couple months ago for training. There was a taco and lobster roll truck. Ooh. And yeah, I would have eaten there every day if I could have. Hold on, I'm going to. Okay. <laughs> have a little little something in my chest. Sorry. Well, uh, well, so is that your imitation of Andy taking a drink and making a big, big production about it? Yeah, it really was. <laughs> um, yeah, that was my shout out. Uh, I'm trying to remember... Did you take notes? I, I did. I've put some notes in the chat for you. Uh, what, one thing that, that caught my eye right away was that there was a reference to the Great Zigfield, which is what, a, what 1938 movie? And yeah. I, I was like, 
I can't imagine anyone else using that as a cultural reference. Yeah. Other than uh, this show and this audience. So he referred to, and this is me getting even more obscure and, and, and gross and pedantic, but he referred to the Zigfield Follies, which um, I think came out a little later than the great Zigfield somehow. Okay. And um, I think it it had the actual people like I think Fanny Bryce was actually in Zigfield Follies. The great Zigfield had actors portraying them. It won Best Picture, so I saw it in my. Yeah, you're 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 on a quest for people who don't know. You have just a few left, if I recall. I do. I put it to the side. I'm in the middle of um, Slumdog Millionaire, and it is brutal. Have you it seen this movie? Dark. It, it's dark. And what is Danny Boyle's obsession with people climbing through poop? It's disgusting. There was a lot of poop in the movie. Yeah. So I I took a break at one point, you know, and it has children being castrated. And and then there's the scene where, you know, they're being chased on a train and they jump off and they land, you know, at the Taj Mahal. And yeah, I thought it, that it was, was it was almost like that Monty Python bit where they jump out of the plane and land on a hay bale. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, like if you ever see any like biopic, especially if it's a TV movie. I remember uh, the John Lennon TV movie, John and Yoko Love Store, has the classic of where they try to combine events where like, oh, you know, uh, our album's going gold. Ring, ring. What? The president was shot? Or, you know, it just <laughs> they have to combine things. And uh, yeah, that jumping off a train to get to the Taj Mahal, really was a kind of a hack work i can't well i can believe because i've seen some other best picture winners that made me scratch my head so what what was the worst i'm gonna guess cimarron crash crash is the worst crash is bad crash. cimarron might be number two that is shocking how bad it is yeah. uh the greatest show on earth is up there have not seen that one uh <laughs> The best thing about that, and I'm going to ruin the plot, but who cares? It's the greatest show on earth. But uh, Jimmy Stewart plays a cl clown in it, and he's always wearing the makeup. He's always wearing clown makeup. Well, it turns out he's a uh, fugitive doctor, doctor who um, is wanted for the murder of his wife. And <laughs> he's in disguise 24-7 as a clown in a... <laughs> circus that's seen by thousands of people country did you say jimmy stewart yeah jimmy stewart oh okay, okay. yeah and it's, it's kind of a weird supporting role because you know the main plot is betty hutton and maybe lorenzo lamas or lamas is up there fernando lama i can't fernand i can't remember but yeah so it's it's really strange and you know, it's obvious. It's kind of an infomercial for the circus. There are probably 100 cutaways to people in the stands eating concessions, watching the circus. Okay. Like they go, we're going to convince people that they have to buy concessions. And so it's a the, let's all go to the lobby boat. 
Yeah, but throughout the whole movie, there's all these bizarre cutaways of people enthralled to the action while eating I, popcorn and peanuts and whatnot. I watched Around the World in 80 Days, and I, I felt like the whole point of that was, hey, you slobs, you've never seen anything in color outside of your drab, dreary lives, so now we're going to show you what India looks like for 10 minutes. Yeah. And that movie has the worst plot twist or surprise ending where they think they're losing, but, you know, they cross the international dateline. Right. I, I, I know that's how the, uh, the Three Stooges version ended. That's, yeah. that's my friend. And it's like, it's like one that any, well, I mean, I figured out, you know, in an hour in or whatever. And so I was like, well, obviously it can't be this because it's so obvious. No, it is. It's, yeah. But David Niven's charming, so. It is. And, you know, he 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 got top billing in Pink Panther, which I thought was interesting. That you get this Peter Sellers vehicle, but David Niven gets top billing. Yeah. I don't and know. I guess that's what, I guess that's what sold tickets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, the David Niven cachet. I uh, I really enjoyed their conversation on middle acts and how yeah. a middle act can can really ruin the, the mood of your set and the mood of your audience. I wouldn't know if you had any experience on that. Um, yeah, following certain people is is always tricky. Um, I feel bad when, you know, it's just, it's about styles and what I guess Andy was talking about a middle act who was kind of like, you might be a redneck, but yeah, it was like, would say you had, had too, too much, much to drink, drink was his catchphrase. <laughs> and, and to imagine that on the same bill as Andy is hilarious. Um, you know, Josh put it so well that, that Andy is, is, uh, the perfect act for an audience who has come to see Andy Kendler. Yeah, and it's perfect. And, you know, it's a niche audience, but that's who who is going to enjoy it. Um, I, the mic we used to hit in Oklahoma City <clears throat> is a mixed mic, which means there's sometimes poets, there's music. And uh, once I followed a friend who did a, a poem, a slam poem about the recent death of a mutual friend. And then I had to follow, you know, with my, you know, I, I what if Toto was from Tulsa, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's when it's like, oof, um, another mic fixed that they lumped all the poets together and all the comedians together and had to right. break in between. Yeah, that was tough. To there, was, there was always when I wanted of, to cry, huh? There's always an element of danger to that bike. Yeah, uh, there, there were. I, what would you call us? Alts, I guess. Yeah, and the, then the Joe Rogan types would show up. Oh yeah, you know anything to get to to work on that magical five minutes that uh, has delighted us all without any alteration for the past three years. Yeah about a a reaction to news stories i yeah i just it was tired also oh, i just want to say you never saw my mort Saul routine if you want to uh, see a reaction to news story 
<laughs> I, I saw your uh, going back in time with comedy. Oh yeah, the new jokes bit. Yes. Yeah, the new jokes. That was I really enjoyed that. Um, I just have to point out I'm not going to say huh anymore. I I turned up the volume in my headphones. So during this rough draft, I was going huh, and we did get some comments about that. So good. Oh. Yeah. I mean, how many comments did we get? About 200, 300? S- something along those lines. Okay. Yes. Cool. So, uh, the, your, your middle digit is correct there. Okay. <laughs> you know, when thinking of ideas for a podcast, I think a thought spiral recap. I mean, it's just such I mean, a moneymaker. Pedestrian. Yeah. We're. we're- <laughs> Catering to the lowest common denominator. Yeah. Yes. But, and uh, we're, we're, we're shameless for those, for those, those sweet, sweet yeah. numbers. It's, I, I, I hope you're not looking at numbers. I, I, don't, I don't see us continuing if you look at the numbers. I, I have been looking at the numbers only in the context of if this show does better than Wheel of Randy, I'm oh. going to shoot myself in the face. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm safe, but okay. uh, we, we have a, a loyal batch of <laughs> listeners. I, I, I seem to remember Josh once calling the Thought Spiral a, a loyal group, uh, almost yes. in a, you know, feel free to take a break, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so I have been, been working very, very hard on spicing the show up. Okay. Getting things spicy. So I've come up with a list of possible stingers to record. Okay. Run these by the And audience, mute yourselves for a minute because you don't need to hear the magic here. But all right, here, here, here's my ideas for some stingers. <clears throat> Number one, this should be a stinger. Two, which one is Andy? Which one is Josh? Number three, maybe it's me, but I rather like the commercials. Four, Dan is so sick of Tulsa. Five, irrational contempt for people I've never met. I think that would be catchy. Six, should we keep doing questions? Wampus didn't seem so hot on it. Seven, and this is what brings it up, the greatest turn of phrase that Josh ever wrote is self-esteem video poker, which is where I would go over the numbers of the show publicly. (laughs) Uh, next is, oh, good, Dan has another etymology, followed by, have I mentioned lately that I'm off of Twitter? Uh, in the spirit of, I have type 2 diabetes, the pit song, I, I, have, I have lactose intolerance, I've got it, oh, yeah, he's got it. And then finally, for the love of God, stop singing, Josh, I mean, Dan. Uh, these are all great stingers. I, I think any can be used. Um, I could, I, I, actually, I'm going to email those guys a stinger that reminded me to, to do that. A MacGuffin is a term coined by the world's foremost teller of suspense stories to label that secret, elusive, mysterious something that everyone in the story is trying to find or find out about. It is in effect the pretext of the plot, the catalyst that brings the characters together and causes them to act or interact. The vial of microfilm, the money, the missing papers, 
the murderer, the motive, the single reason that causes the entire story to happen. Usually there's only one. I, I found something just for them. Oh, uh, I think in reverse order on how good I would rank it in exact reverse order. Okay. Those. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll get those together. Yeah. And, and I realized what I need to do for our theme song, which I worked very, very little on. I need to double track that video, uh, the vocals. I need to double track them and then it will be perfect. Well, I, th I, I, I have no notes about it. And so, okay. Please. Yeah. Okay. Tell, tell, let, let's get inside baseball here. What, what do you mean by double track? So I would record, that's what Josh does, you know, Josh harmonizes with himself. Oh, oh, okay. you know, yeah, the, uh, the McFerrin, the McFerrin. Yeah. Um, usually, double track is you you sing it the exact same in the same tone, but there'd be a little enough variation that makes it sound more full. Uh, this is uh, this is something recording studios used to do. I I, I bet they still do. Double tracking is a very common. Well, we could try right now vocals. since our voices are, are almost identical. We could, we could okay. try saying something together. Right. Okay, so not spiral. Not spiral. Um, um, not spiral, spiral again. Again. Two dudes. Two dudes. Two mics. Two hours. A third. Third thing. thing. Now. Now. Okay. Okay. All right. We got it. Okay, I'll I'll dump that on the theme. We're good. Um, can we talk about the the amazing answer to one of the record uh, to one of the questions? Can we jump around like that? Yeah, yeah. Let, let let's jump around. I I had I had one question that yeah, really I, really I irritated me. But but tell okay. me the one you're talking about. Yeah. So I don't see anything in the notes. By the way, in the chat. Um, oh, is it a file? No. no. Yeah, I don't see anything there. Here, let me write test. Who can see your messages? Everyone can see your messages. I see yours. It just says test. Yeah. Oh, I, I put them in before you joined. Oh, so. there you go. Okay. So the big thing, and I'm sure you probably noted it, um, was... Um, who was was it chaotic neutral who asked about hosting he hosts hosts a game show yes and and he he's tired of it there's and josh was saying well if there's no growth if you feel like it's in a rut um if you don't get reward you know maybe it's time to end and it really <laughs> you know it seemed like oh maybe this will be the last show. <laughs> but a little inception there, by yeah. there was a little inception going on. Yeah. All right, I see these. All right, I uh, I really took issue with sous vide's question. Sous vide and I have blocked each other on Twitter. Uh, did I mention that I'm off of Twitter? Yeah. And what was the other thing? Irrational contempt for people I've never met. Um, <laughs> Suvid, uh, I I think is a person who means well, but 
Uh, we just get under each other's nerve, under each other's skin. And he asked a question which I can only hope he didn't understand the context in this. He asked, how do you feel about life without existence? How do you feel about existence without life? And uh, if you do a quick search of existence without life, you will find that that is the title of a Nazi film. Ooh. How the mentally ill don't deserve to live. Yikes. Yeah. That's terrible. And I can only hope that that's just a, a, a terrible coincidence and that he's not peppering our, our two nice Jewish hosts with with subtle Nazi references. Uh, I'm going to be optimistic and give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he deserves that. I think there's a 99% chance it's just a weird yeah. coincidence. But man, that, that 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 set off little alarms in my head. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. That's uh, pretty dark there. Oh, and no, also, no. It's, it, it's a... It's a nowhere question, too, you know. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. It, it is. It, it's, it's like, get out of the dorm room, man. <laughs> I, I was pleased that they chose to read my question this week. I tried to put a little bit of a spin on the James Mason situation with an actual piece of James Mason trivia. That Yes, James Mason's son really is married to Belinda Carlisle. Yeah, that's amazing. And they thought I was making it up. Yeah, like they thought I was making up the movie The Double MacGuffin. Yes, yes. Um, that's a, an amazing thing. Once uh, at a show, at a music thing in, in L.A., Belinda Carlisle walked by and made eye contact and touched my arm. Oh, my goodness. And I, 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 uh, I bet she still remembers that think it was pretty big for her yeah that was a thrill that was to see to see belinda in the wild in la sing the upper crust have you ever heard of the upper crust no they're i think they're from maybe the massachusetts maybe boston area and uh they uh they dressed like french aristocrats with powdered wigs and makeup and beauty spots and Okay. Okay. Played uh, like ACDC style rock, um, you know, like rock and roll. Butler was one of their songs. And <laughs> okay. Come into my boudoir. <laughs> you have you have to understand. I've I've been to maybe maybe ten concerts in my life. And you have to understand. I know too much about dumb nineties gimmick acts so so my peanut butter is in your chocolate i guess yeah i guess you know it, like, like the chat has been going which which of us is andy which of us is josh you know point for me in the hermit category uh, oh yeah so that's one in my color yeah i went out this weekend and i'm I'm ashamed to say I'm pretending I'm pretending things are normal and uh, I shouldn't. And we're about to go on a big trip. So I'm going to have, I'm going to have to mask, but 
this weekend, I went to a, a show at a packed place and uh, yeah, crossed my fingers. So, yeah. hey, That's it okay. worked, I think. I think I'm fine. But I had COVID, so I, I feel like I've got a when little. When was that? Little, that was in late March. March. Did you survive? Uh, hi, my name is COVID. I have taken over the body of this man. Yeah, yeah, it, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't. Symptoms were mild, but it sucked. Yeah. It sucked to have it. I didn't. I don't know where I got it to. So, hmm. but yeah, so I'm not the hermit. So I'm, yeah. I think we both have mixes of Josh and Andy. Well, you see, I I, I, I see you as both the more accomplished comic and the more accomplished writer. So it, it's hard for, I, I, I see just points going both ways. On Speaking of, uh, had, have you thought about going out to any mics or doing comedy or have you? No, I... I haven't uh, ever ever since our our, our favorite mic uh, disbanded. I, I really haven't had the urge. Um, you know, I, I went to the the. Do we name names? Go for it. I went to Othello's once last summer, and uh, it's like, well, that's that's all I need to see this. Yeah, um, it's an it's an important place, I think for comedy here um but i seriously think there's an age limit i mean you have to be under a certain age to go yeah and i am i'm over that age especially during school session i think if i go up uh the people there are college students out on a tuesday night and they look at me as as their dad and they're (laughs) they're feeling guilty about being out on a tuesday (laughs) So I think, and they, I, yeah, you know, my, my mantra used to be fuck Othello's, you know, that's what I would say, (laughs) you know, when I, uh, when I opened for Todd Berry and, you know, got off to big applause, I was saying to myself, fuck Othello's. So I just see, I I think COVID hit a a really sweet spot at me that I'd, I'd been been hitting the mics for about nine months so i'd gotten the bug but you know i I wasn't an established name or anything and so uh, i don't feel an urge to go back yeah yeah i have stuff and like you know a comedian from another state was coming through and i helped put on a show for him so i did some time and when i did the time i was like you know, I, I need to hit mics and get that, you know, the, get it smoothed out and get it pro, but I just haven't. Now, one thing I have noticed that I, I've been doing, and I hope this does come across as just terribly narcissistic, is I've been spending a lot of time listening to my old recordings, you know, just, you know, phone recordings of my stuff. Um, and, you know, it, it, while I would normally never listen to you know, something like this. I don't think I've listened to maybe two episodes of my own podcast. I'm not real keen on, on hearing my voice. I do enjoy listening to my routine. 
I like hearing the reaction. I like hearing, okay, I could tweak this time. I could tweak that time. And it's just weird that I spend so much time listening to myself. Yeah, it doesn't feel right. Um, yeah. I do. I, I have a couple of my bits up on SoundCloud and, and once in a blue moon, I'll, I'll listen to it, you know, because it was, they're good clips. And yeah, uh, yeah it, it's nice to say, oh, you know, I went up on a stage and just using my, my voice, I, I got people to laugh and, and it's a nice feeling for sure. I really resonated with, with what Josh said about how some bits are just a long list of words. And if you get the long list right, then it works. Yeah. Um, and you know, that was something that, that really surprised me because I tried that once uh, and froze up in the middle of the list. And man, that was the worst feeling ever. Yeah. Yeah, I would not be able to do that without reading it. Um, you know, I did a bit where uh, I had to memorize, I, I recited the numeral pi out to 20 places. Okay. And so that was kind of fun trying to memorize that. But in the middle, if I messed it up, it didn't matter, you know. <laughs> no one you don't have open a fact checker yeah actually once i was doing it and someone's like that's not it and it was i was getting it right i was so i just stopped and said yeah it is and stormed off it was a good good way to get off i know you and i both have a fascination with lists specifically the wonderful 1970s book the book of lists oh the masterpiece, yeah. Which I, I grew up reading a, a, a dog-eared paperback copy of just cover to cover. Um, yeah. So I, I just love lists. I love just bare facts without any context or analysis. I love list songs. Oh. Uh, like, like you know, I made myself learn the element song when I was in eighth grade. To meet girls, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and that brings us to that um, on this episode of Thought Spiral, uh, Andy started going in on I've Been Everywhere. The... And he, he got, what, two or three in and then <laughs> blanked out and started schmoopy doopy doopy doop. Yeah, his schmoopy doops. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I was surprised that, that he enjoyed that song so much. I, I and he never struck me as a John Cash guy. And he said that was the version that he liked. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the first version. I saw when I was like seven and at my mom's work, they had a banquet and the entertainment did that song. And, uh, you know, everyone whooped when they said Oklahoma City or whatever. Yeah. So that, that's how I always associate that song. Let's... I think I saw it on... Uh, the Statler Brothers Hour. Ah, yeah. And it was the blandest version you could imagine. <laughs> That's a, uh, the Statler Brothers, uh, they can be a little incisive. Have you ever listened to Lester Roadhog Moran? No. And the Cadillac Cowboys? 
that is uh, some cult comedy there. Uh, it was a kind of a bizarre comedy album they they recorded and yeah uh i'm not gonna go into it look it up though it's it's pretty strong it's really funny and you know their biggest song flowers on the wall is is dark man yeah you know they uh yeah it's pretty amazing but the 70s all those 70s variety hours you know a lot of them they had, you know, well, you know, from the Smothers Brothers on, they had this weird, dark, you know, counterculture streak to everything. But then you know, they were doing the, the grossest, you know, cheese ball entertainment imaginable. Yeah. Like have you, Don Rickles had a variety show like that, you know. Yeah, I can't see that happening. It happened, you know, I, you know, Hey, look, you idiot. And now, you know, Lola Falana. <laughs> Did you know that Starland vocal band had a variety? Hour? Oh yeah. With uh, Michael Ring. Keaton, Michael Keaton and David Letterman. And David Letterman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Meryl Marco wrote for him even then. Um, yeah. It's uh, it, it was, that's the seventies variety specials that, there's got to be a podcast about that. It seems like every couple of years, someone tries to revive it. I think like Maya Rudolph tried it a couple of years ago and it just went nowhere. Yeah. There's just audiences don't have the patience for something like that. Yeah. And I didn't mean to make it sound like I was blaming the audience. I, I, I got halfway through an episode and said, I, I'm done here. I think it helped that there were three channels. Yeah, I mean, that's why I would watch so much. I just had to have the TV on. I, you know, there was no term FOMO back then, but I had severe FOMO up throughout. And speaking of these 90s bands, I mean, I saw so many acts because I was worried I was going to miss, you know, the great band who came through or whatever. I, was this imaginary conversation that you were going to have in 30 years? I, I, I saw I saw French kicks with six people, man. Yeah. And I did, you know, I saw some, I saw some pretty um, incredible bands, you know, with 10 people, but, you know, who am I going to tell? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but that was the watching TV. I was just always thought I was going to miss something hilarious or something incredible. I don't even remember talking about it with my friends. I don't remember saying, hey, wow, did you see Mork and Mindy last night? Or anything like that. It's just... Yeah. Yeah. I think my MO was to be, oh my God, did you see that? And this happened to be like, no, what actually happened was, you know, this line. I think that was my MO was, <laughs> was so I could preemptively correct someone on what See, actually you, happened. You are your own corrector of the digits of pi. Yes, exactly. Mm. Um, but speaking of the book of lists that we brought up, I think an hour and a half ago, um, I cited something I read in that uh, just this weekend Debbie Harry came out and I said, oh, she's adopted 
because in Book of Lists, they had a list of people adopted and uh -huh. she was on it. Um, have you ever read anyone or heard anyone speak and say, oh, they read the Book of Lists? You're the only person who I've ever known to mention it. Uh, I was, and this was the only time I ever attempted to read this author, but uh, Chuck Palahniuk, who wrote Fight Club, mm -hmm. um, I was reading his book, Choke, and there were two details in it. And I said, he got these details from the book of lists. Huh. He has read this book. And, and one was about Napoleon's preserved penis. Right. And I can't remember what the other one is. But yeah, that that's something that came up. I can't remember. Someone else. Yeah. The list in there that probably inspired me the most was their 10 worst movies of all time. Because yeah. I remember thinking, oh, I've got to see all of these. And it was a solid list. I'm trying to remember it. I There was Robot Monster. There was uh, that Che Guevara. Oh, Che. So, yeah, that was uh, taken from, uh, I guess it was Michael Medved and his brother. Oh, okay. And they put out a book called The 50 Worst Films of All Time. And I think they took that list from that, too, like a little cross-promotion. And I had that book, and I, you know, I read it till the spine came off and oh, then yeah. they they put out the golden turkey awards too which is a was a fun read on that note there is a screening of nanos the hands of fate this summer in oklahoma city Ooh, yes so we will add details on that <laughs> we have questions oh well let's let's do it all right do, 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 do. It's time for questions. <clears throat> Steve asks, where do I find the last episode? Well, Steve, you can, can find it on all wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Holly asks, first comedy show you saw. You want to start on this? Oh, when I was nine, I saw Steve Martin. And uh, with Steve Goodman opening, right? Yeah, with Steve Goodman opening. So, yeah, that was my first one. Um, and that, you know, that was a, just a special deal because um, my mom worked at the basketball office at uh, the University of Oklahoma, and it was at the Oklahoma ar ar arena. And so she could get great tickets so i was like on the seventh or eighth row on the floor seeing steve martin it's pretty amazing nice. uh then after that at zoo amphitheater al Jarreau was playing Ooh. and byron allen billionaire byron allen opened up okay and then the first time in a comedy club in high school, like when I was a senior or maybe, yeah, I think it was, yeah, my last semester in high school, a friend got tickets to uh, the comedy club in Oklahoma City, the old one. Um, and, and we went and the middle act, well, okay, so the opening act, the local MC, he had a joke that I still quote, and it's like, I went fishing at Lake Stanley Draper, caught a body. 
six footer. <laughs> so I like that joke. And then there was a guy from Texas who told street jokes, dirty street jokes, and he in an exaggerated cowboy axe. And then there was some guy, and I did research to try to figure out who it was. And it was probably someone who, you know, quit right after. It was like an L.A. comic. And he did Slim Pickens, singing Cat Stevens was a bit of his. And he right. was he was angry. <laughs> so that that was uh yeah those are my formative comedy experiences what about you all right before my answer since you brought up byron allen do you know byron allen's one to grow on byron allen's what one to grow on no strap in this is going to be the greatest two minutes of your life all right <laughs> Right back with ones to grow on. Watch this. Was it that great? That's not great. That's terrible. I mean, what are you gonna do with the radio antenna? Nothing, that's what. So I fail to see what's being accomplished here. When you destroy someone's property, it's just not funny or cool. How would you feel if someone trashed all your stuff like that? Listen, there are a lot of ways to have a good time, but destroying someone else's property just isn't one of them. Hey, Dad, can you listen to the game on the radio? Oh, sure, why not? Oh, no, somebody's busted my antenna. And that's one to grow on. That was real people era. Byron yes, Allen there. Real people era. That's not great. That's ridiculous. Think <laughs> about it. What have you accomplished here? Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. It's one of Julie Klausner's favorite clips. So oh, man. Cool. All right. Back to my answer. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to remember which of these I saw first. Um, both of them I was probably roughly 15. Uh, I saw Emo Phillips uh, with my mother. My mother idolized Emo Phillips. And we had the greatest time and the rest of the audience hated, I mean, hated him. Oh, God. So, you know, that was Alabama. But right about that same time, I saw, and I'm very, very proud of this fact, I saw Mike Warnke. I don't remember Mike Warnke. Mike Warnke, his whole shtick was, I am a former high priest of the Church of Satanism, <laughs> and now I am born again. <laughs> so he yeah. did this. He did this comedy tour. He just did all the Baptist churches through the South, and um, Cornerstone Magazine, which was a, a a fairly progressive evangelical magazine out of Chicago did this huge expose and said, This guy was never in the church of Satanism. <laughs> We're not even <laughs> sure that the church of Satanism, as he put it, ever existed. And oh, so he had to retire brilliant. in space. But uh, oh, Mike that's Warnke the best. Was a weird, 
weird, dude. Yeah. So I saw Emo Phillips four years ago. He opened for Weird Al Yankovic on his mm-hmm. uh, kind of small theater tour where he played his original songs. Ah. Um, and like pancreas, was, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this was in Santa Fe when I lived there. But uh, Emo's closer was his the same closer on his HBO special in the mid 80s. He did the same joke. The, the one pushing the guy off the bridge? Yes, the heretic. Yeah. yeah. It blew my mind that he has stuck with that. You know, well, it's all about the delivery, guys. <laughs> I know. But uh, Emo's a great first. I mean, how can you not like Emo? Those jokes are just so great. There's, it was, there's, yeah. You know, Alabama was a weird, weird place. Well, it's, I, it's I guess in that time, my friend in the early 2000s um, lived in Alabama for a short while, and he took his parents to see Andy Kindler, and he said they loved him. So, right. you know, <laughs> it's a crapshoot, I guess. You never know. Never know. Steve is back to ask, did you discover Mitch Hedberg while he was still alive, or was he already gone? Uh, he was still alive when I first heard of him. Um, friends who were in a band, they talked about how that's what they listened to on the road a lot was a mm-hmm. tape of him. And then he actually played at OU, and I didn't get to go. And I remember asking my friend, I said, how was Mitch? Because I know he loved me. He said, well, he was okay. And... um. He said, but his opener, Zach Galifianakis, was great. So ah. that was pretty interesting. And when I went to do jer- uh, Tournament of Champions on Jeopardy, and they flew me out, and I went through Dallas, um, Mitch Hedberg and his manager were in first class on my flight. Wow. Yeah, I looked over and I said, I think that's Mitch Hedberg. So yeah, I, I didn't. I saw him in person actually. So there you go. Nice. Um, I I had heard of him maybe a month before he died. Uh, do you remember all comedy radio? No. It was, it was this little low wattage AM station out of Enid. And they would just play two minute clips all day long. And some of it was just off, but they would play, um, they would play a lot of, of, of Mitch Hedberg. And, uh, you know, he died on like April Fool's Day is when the news oh, came wow. out that he was dead. And so they were all freaking out. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, so I, if you can say I discovered, but yeah, I, I had heard of just barely before he died. Alex has a couple of requests. Hello, Alex. An impression for Wampus, a softball. William Shatner doing spoken word covers of Guided by Voices songs. Cold hands touching my face. Don't hide. The snake can see you. Old friends, you might not remember. 
fading away from you. Okay, there you go. I really wish Shatner wasn't just a terrible human being. Now, when I lived in L.A., I had friends who called him El Shatner Loco because supposedly on uh, films he refused to eat the catering and demanded that they pick up El Pollo Loco for him. Huh. A, a fast food chain down there. That's good to know. Alex has an impression request for me, Mormon Carl Sagan. <laughs> and this is a, a, a point in my Andy camp because all of my impressions begin with saying the person's name. Hi, I'm Carl Sagan. You may remember me from my groundbreaking 1978 miniseries, Cosmos. Well, something else very interesting happened in 1978. Oh, <laughs> and if you Google 1978, God changed his mind, you'll learn all about it. Yes. <clears throat> that, that, you can pair that with the uh, sous vide uh, existence. Yes. Reference, yeah. Dalton, our the head of good trash media, uh, these two. Has a question for me. Dan, question. Top five Randy tunes? <sighs> Dalton, I thought you'd know me better than this. I'm not the kind of person that has that kind of thing just, just going on in his head. I have to go to my blog spot where I ranked 127 Randy tunes from worst to best. And we'll, so Dalton, here's your top five. Number five, there's a party at my house. Number four, Ghosts. Ooh. Number three, Guilty. Number two, God's Song. Number one, Dayton, Ohio, 1903. Complete list available in the notes. Uh, I watched a movie uh, last week and was reminded of one of my favorite Randy songs. Oh, tell me. My Little Buttercup. Ah, from a smile. So, so smile. Yeah, it's really, yeah. Did, have you, did you ever see his interview with Letterman when they were writing the first draft of Three Amigos? No. Uh, he was pretty involved in the screenplay and basically he's like, ah, this is a, a communist fairy tale. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. All right. That's it for questions. That's it for questions? I, yeah. I need more questions, people. Okay. Well, if you want to ask us a question, um, shout it into the wind probably hear it uh, yeah i'm intrigued on who steve is steve is uh my brother your brother steve wade yes stevie, yeah. stevie wade yep good fella good uh, oh i i'm i'm supposed to mention the first time that droopy is mentioned in each episode and it came at the five minute mark this week yeah. So Dro Droopy came out of the gate strong. Just a real real strong start for our favorite guy. And oh, uh, I, yeah, the the anger towards the Boston Celtics for their uh, parquet floor. That was a Yeah, and and Andy going after Brad Auerbach and talking about the mind games that he used. Personally, I was surprised that Josh passed up the opportunity to do a parquet pun. Yeah. Because the whole parquet butter commercial was 
that that was in heavy rotation for a few weeks. So I was surprised that didn't come back. And since when is Josh a Lakers fan? Josh has been for a while. Um, yeah, I've heard him mention them. Um, I, I have found when I lived in LA, I became a Lakers fan. It was a it was in the Dell Harris days. They weren't doing anything, uh-huh. but it's just because it was on TV more. Uh, you know, the media covered it, so it's it was just easier to become fans of them. Um, I did not become a fan of the colleges there, but. Um, well, uh, it, it, we're about to see the golden age of, of college sports in, in LA because USC is going to become a dominant force. Yeah, they. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're going to. Uh, they're on the road to six and five. They're going. To, they're they're going to be remembered like this forever. A, 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 if anyone takes on USC. A mighty empire will fall. <laughs> um, I will say the Colosseum is pretty amazing to see in person. It's really, I always, I, a, I worried it's it just would a be big kind of stadium. It's a big, but there's so much history there, you know. Then yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's kind of Art Deco in a way, so that's kind of cool. I saw a Gold Cup soccer match between the United States and Mexico um, where the crowd was probably 95,000 people rooting for Mexico and 5,000 rooting for the United States. Uh, The national anthem was booed. Uh, Anytime an American player was near the sidelines, uh, nachos and beer were thrown at them. It was intense. And Mexico won one zero. So Mexico never wins that game. Well, they used to. Yeah, uh, yeah. but uh, what was it? The two thousand two World Cup when Mexico <laughs> lost and threw in some red cards and spit. Yeah, <laughs> near the end of the game, that was amazing. Mm. Yeah. All right. I think we're done. All right. Um. Yeah. So actually I do have one more thing to 